Peter, I have a question about Mr. Disney. What is it, Mom? Well, it's a little delicate. That's okay. Um, how does he still draw Mickey Mouse? And now, from the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, it's the Mickey Dudes Podcast. Here's your master of ceremonies, Wazowski. Hello, humans! Hello, humans, and welcome to another episode of the Mickey Dudes Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Koch, joined today by my producer extraordinaire, Greg Nevis. I regret nothing, ever. And our rotating Mickey Dudes commentators from Buffalo, Chuck Fitzgerald. Besides, they're tourists. What do they know? And from across the pond, we have Stephen Maxwell. I'm surrounded by idiots. And today is a special day on the Mickey Dudes podcast. We have a special guest, writer and director of the upcoming movie, Walt's Frozen Head, Ben Lancaster. Isn't that right, Herr Schmidt? Oh, I see. Schmidt has no hair. (laughs) Nice. We needed a couple of Tiki Room references on this show. Of course. And before we get started, we would like Ben to uh, maybe tell our audience a little bit about himself. I really started getting into Disney uh, when I was very young, um, probably specifically when my parents took me to the park when I was five years old. And we went when I was five and when I was seven and um, really didn't go again until I think well after I'd graduated from high school. But I was the kid who like went to the library and checked out the guidebooks, not because I wanted to go, but because I wanted to read about the new attractions and and just sort of remember those trips that I had taken, um, you know, years and years ago and and had sort of read the histories and and uh, really was was pretty obsessed with it from a very early age. And obviously this was before the the really online Internet community had taken off. Um, at least that I wasn't a part of. So, uh, you know, I was kind of alone in my fandom. And then I, I wound up, through a, a few different reasons, getting into filmmaking, um, some, somewhat apart from my Disney obsession, but wound up at uh, University of Central Florida getting my MFA in uh, Entrepreneurial Digital Cinema. And I was working on my final capstone film, and a few of us were just, you know, spitballing ideas. And somehow uh, the title, The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head, came out. And, uh, you know, I didn't think anything much of it. It was sort of a one-off joke. I came home and, you know, told my wife about this funny conversation I had had. And she basically said that that's the movie that, that we needed to make. That was the, the project that, that we wanted to do. And so she really uh, pushed me in that direction. And uh, then after a lot of hard work and a lot of effort, we are here towards the completion of it. Nice. Now, how many years of uh, work has it been for the movie? Oh, gosh. Um, I've probably been working on this for two years now, maybe two and a half. Perfect. And now what stage are you in? Uh, we are in uh, post-production. All of the film has been shot with the exception of Walt's head. We are doing things like visual effects. Uh, we have a, what we call a rough cut, uh, which is pretty much the movie in its final form uh, with some tweaking that still needs to occur. And then, uh, you know, we are also looking at composing and uh, color correction and all those glorious little bitty tasks that go along with uh, finishing up a movie like this. And if you guys haven't had a chance to go over to the website and check out the uh, trailer, definitely do so. It's absolutely hilarious. Thanks. We, We do appreciate that. We'll definitely make sure we put it in the show notes and we'll tweet it out the day that this comes out. Now... My understanding is you have some news about this uh, movie. 
would you like to share with us? We do. We are, are absolutely thrilled to announce who Walt is going to be. Um, and this was, we, we had to keep it a secret for a long time until it was absolutely official, but we are pleased to announce that Walt will be played by Ron Schneider. Um, and you may not recognize the name, but if you, like me, went to Epcot Center during the 80s, you will probably recognize the role that he created there in the park. Uh, Ron was the original walk-around dreamfinder and really created that role and that character interaction. Uh, he also took over for Wally Bogue at Disneyland when uh, he retired, um, taking, taking over the role of the traveling salesman. Um, and he just did, uh, has had a long history with the company. Um, and we are just absolutely thrilled that he is on board to play Walt in our movie. Uh, as a avid Figment fan, I think that's absolutely awesome. When I first met him, um, you know, we, we had emailed, done a little email correspondence. I was completely fanboying about the, you know, ability to meet Dreamfinder. Um, you know, this was just something that was so transformative in my, uh, my early childhood um, and, and something that really impacted me. I mean, I had the Figment plush, I had the Figment hat, I had the Figment everything. Um, and, and to meet the man who really had a role in creating that guest experience, um, that, that was just terrific to me. And then, you know, for him to be in the movie, too, on top of that. Basically, I put him in the movie because I wanted to meet him. Um, but he also he also is just a fantastic actor. How did that conversation go when you to uh, get him to actually be part of this? Well, I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but from what he's told me, um, he got the email just fairly late at night, looked over it, and just couldn't sleep the entire night because he was excited about the film. Uh, you know, maybe he was just blowing smoke. Let, let's assume that, but uh, he is totally excited to be a part of the film, and that is that is super thrilling for me. Now, have you shot with him yet? No, we haven't. Um, we are shooting at the end of June with him. So we are actually, at this point, gearing up for that shoot, trying to get all our, uh, all our ducks in a row. And then we are, are moving forward a couple weekends towards the end of June. That's incredible. I should give a quick plug. In the middle of that shoot, on June 30th, we're actually having a Kickstarter backers party. Um, the location is to be announced. It'll be the evening of the 30th. Ron will be there. Our other actor who played Peter, who's in the trailer, will be there. Several of the other actors, a bunch of the crew members. Um, we're going to show some clips. We're going to do some Q&As. Um, we're going to drink. It's going to be great. So... Um, if anyone's in the Orlando area during that time, they definitely should check us out. And, and more information will be posted about that, but I want to give people a save the date on that. Oh, most definitely. We'll be happy to uh, tweet it out for you also. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I know before you uh, announced the movie, when you had the Twitter account going on, when I had first started to interact with the Disney community under my personal Twitter, all of a sudden I get this uh, message while I was in the middle of teaching that Walt's frozen head has followed you. And it was just one, I had really not known much about your account and half the things that you were tweeting, but the fact that somebody with such a name with over a thousand followers was following me, it just totally made my day that time. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that we could make your day. My story is a lot like Dave's. <laughs> um, I just remember seeing it follow or seeing the Twitter account following me. I'm like, wow, this is how I know I've made it in the world. Walt's frozen head is following me. I think I made a comment like that to one of my classes or something, and then I went into the whole uh, urban legend of uh, the cryogenic uh, freezing and everything with my class. I totally abandoned my lesson plan for that day and uh, just talked Disney with my, with my students. So you started a new lesson plan. And you teach English, so... Yeah, probably a better one. 
<laughs> Probably something boring. I mean, who needs Shakespeare when you can talk Walt? Did did you test on it? Probably. They probably a couple of them probably weren't paying attention, so I probably just set, put a test out there to be spiteful. Ben, could you tell us about the process of, of going about raising funds to budget of the movie? Can you walk us through that process? Okay. Well, um, you know, we, we turned to a platform called Kickstarter to raise the ori- or, a, original production cost. Um, we raised about $5,000, a little over which uh, our goal, which was $5,000. Um, and that really just went straight into production costs. Uh, some of that was then put up by some other backers, you know, who were, who were a little more heavily involved in the project. But that really was was our production costs up front. We got to the end of production, we made it on that, and then we realized that we had $19.20 in our bank account. Um, unfortunately, that was not going to cover our post-production costs, so that's why we're currently running a uh, post-production Kickstarter right now uh, to try and cover things like music, some sound uh, stuff, renting some studio space for ADR, and, and really some sort of essentials that we need to, to get this thing finished. When you're working on these really low budgets, especially uh, guerrilla style, where we're not necessarily paying for all our locations, it's easy to maybe get the shot, but then we've got to clean up the sound, we've got to get somebody to do the color correction and, and the music and all those things um, just unfortunately really start adding up. Uh, that being said, the community has been just really supportive of the project and and i can't thank everyone who's donated enough and that kickstarter is still going on for the uh post-production yes yes that if you go to kickstarter.com and search waltz frozen head we should uh easily be the only thing that comes up you'll probably see both the original one which has obviously been closed for over a year and then the uh the post-production one which we would love if some of your listeners would take a look at and donate to definitely be hyping it now, how long does this Kickstarter go for? Uh, we end on July the 10th. So that is our, our final date. It's, you know, a week after the 4th of July weekend. It's Sunday night. So we will be pushing it until the very end. Okay, well, now that that's been covered, I do kind of have one question that I would love to know. Uh, I'm sure you have some interesting stories about filming in the parks because technically you had to do it guerrilla style. Am I, am I wrong? You would definitely call what we did guerrilla style. Now, you've got to remember that this was a year ago, so it was before the, the metal detectors and, and the bag check wasn't quite as stringent as it was uh, then, and we didn't have the issues with you know them banning tripods like I've heard them doing now. So it was a little bit easier on that front, but we, did, we were sneaking in cameras. Um, one of our producers was really, really pushing for us to sneak in sound recording equipment, which would probably make our life easier now, but we didn't do that. All our, all our sound is what uh, is ADR that means it's re-recorded in post-production but a lot of it was sort of the pre-scoping we did we knew that every shot we needed and how they were going to cut together before we went in to shoot anything so we did scout days um, we studied the park maps um, we actually used the Minecraft recreations of the Magic Kingdom to, to take a look and see which paths <laughs> flowed into each, each other no I'm seeing wow. we had we had people who were there for lookouts. That that is wild. That's really, this is amazing. Um, we also we had our camera cart, and um, what would you guys think the most inconspicuous camera cart you could have in the Magic Kingdom would be? Stroller, a churro cart. A stroller. ECD. Stroller. Yeah. I wanted we, a churro, so <laughs> that's just me. We didn't have a child with us, but that stroller uh, carried all our camera equipment around. Very creative. Now, was it one you bought, or did you actually rent one of theirs? No, no, no. I've got a kid, so we used we used the kid's stroller. The kid just wasn't there that day. Ingenious. 
Yes. That's, that's awesome. So my question is, Ben, could you pull this off today with the heightened security? It'd be much more difficult, but could you do it? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I haven't I haven't scoped it out. I honestly haven't been back to the park since they put up the metal detectors, so I don't know how stringent it is. I mean, there's nothing, they're not stopping photography. Right. So I, I, I couldn't tell you one way or another. Um, I'd like to see someone else try and do it. <laughs> um, but I, I couldn't tell you one way or another if you could get it through today or not. I think you have to kind of play around with the uh, security guards because I, I had some major fun with them because every, every day when I was there to last, I was always the one that was being picked for the random screening. I guess mm-hmm. they're profiling me somehow. So every time they would call me over, I would just start cheering and be like, yes, fifth time today. <laughs> And they would just bust out laughing and everything. So it was like, catch them off guard, maybe sneak it through that way. Part of it is we repacked all of our camera equipment into um, consumer bags. So we, we had professional camera equipment, but it was all in, you know, kind of off the shelf camera bags. So uh, someone who wasn't necessarily trained in what was nice camera equipment really just, you know, opened it up, saw, saw a camera and waved it through. There, there wasn't the level of scrutiny that I think if, if, the, if it had looked a little more professional, we would have gotten. So you're not shooting with DSLRs or anything like that. You're talking professional grade camera equipment. Well, the camera we shot at is the uh, Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Cam. Mm. So it, it, it's an interchangeable lens. It's not a DSLR. Um, it, it shoots in, you know, raw footage. Um, so we got really terrific footage um it's great for shooting exteriors it doesn't uh it doesn't kind of blow out the highlights like dslrs tend to it so the, the footage looks fantastic and it was an incredibly small inconspicuous camera to boot mm-hmm. okay so before you mentioned that you're going to be having a uh, kickstarter party for all of your backers mm-hmm. i was just wondering for people that can't actually be there who are not in the uh, orlando area will you be streaming that or uh, putting clips up online about it well, first of all, that party's open for everybody. So, um, you know, any anyone who's who's in the area uh, should definitely stop by, whether they're a backer or not. Whether you know, we'd like you to donate a little bit, but obviously, you know, if, if you if you want to come, we'd love to have you. We mentioned there'll be clips, there'll be Q and A's, and things like that. We'll try and get a lot of that up for the backers specifically, but also just so that people can sort of see what's going on. I'm not sure it'll be everything we show. We might show a few things that we want to keep in-house so people can't watch them over and again. But we will definitely release the majority of that, uh, of the things that go on there. All right, nice. And before we move on to our next topic, I just was wondering, can you think of any unique times where you had maybe some interesting uh, events happen to you while recording or trying to kind of just uh, inconspicuously record? So it was really close to the end of our shoot. Um, it was the evening, and we were waiting for the sun to go down because part of our shoot obviously took place in sort of the late afternoon, and then then we needed it to be night. So we were eating at Gaston's Tavern. Me, a few of the you know two or three of the crew members, and and a few of the cast members who were there at the time. We had ordered uh, everyone had gotten a pork shank basically, um, but they had charged us for one too many. So I'm up there. They've all gone and sat down. I'm up there trying to talk to the cashier who doesn't speak the greatest English. Um, about how how she'd charge us for one too many pork shanks. So the uh, manager comes over, takes a look, you know, at the receipt. Okay, okay, I see what you did, sir. And then, in order to get the money back on the card, I have to hand him back the card. And suddenly, I start sweating because I remember this is the business account card, and this business is called Just a Head in a Jar LLC. <laughs> so I hand him back the card. <laughs> That's a fantastic business. The man name. looks at the card just briefly does a double take, looks at it again, 
I can see the wheels moving in his mind as he's reading. I actually see him mouth the words, <laughs> just a head in a jar. He shrugs to himself and hands me back the card. <laughs> All our footage for the day was sitting right over there. All, you know, our actors are there. Our crew members are there. Like, uh, you know, it, we hadn't been able to smuggle any of the footage out earlier um, like we did on some of the other days. And so we were we were pretty vulnerable right then. Um <laughs> You know, so so some cast member at Gaston's Tavern is is manager actually at Gaston's Tavern just just let it slide. Give the card back and say thank you very much, Mister Head in a Jar. Uh, you can't write that one any better. Exactly, you can't make it up. <laughs> 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 All right, that was hilarious. That's a fantastic story. But you never scared that you were actually going to get caught at any one point, and what would actually happen to you if you'd actually got caught? Um. We were prepared to sort of see the inside of Mickey Jail. Um, now, that being said, uh, I think my, my guess is what would have happened was they would have demanded we hand over footage um, and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we actually shot in sort of priority order, saying, okay, if, if we get this out, we can make a movie. If we get this out, we can make a better movie. We wound up getting all our footage, so nothing was an issue. Uh, but we had people who would uh, just take the footage off-site in the middle of the day and do footage dumps for us throughout the time. The logistics of this are amazing. Absolutely. If someone wants to pull off a project like this and filming in a place that they don't necessarily have permission, um, I'd love to give you a few pointers. Um, so how many hours of, of uh, just planning, just like, did you guys like get together? Did you like have white boards? Or I just, it just seems like it's like uh, you're in a war room just setting up and kind of have a model of, have a model of the kingdom. You have uh Action figures, okay, here, here's the security men. If they come this way, you go left. Almost like a uh, setting up a football playbook. There was, there was, a, there was a, it was a Google spreadsheet, um, and it was color-coded, and it really had down to 15-minute increments what we needed to be doing at each moment of the day because you got to remember part of this is the sun travels in one direction too. And we, you know, you can only shoot day scenes during the day and night scenes during the night and you know, all the scenes sort of have to match as they cut back and forth. So if it's cloudy in the morning, that's fine, but now it's got to be cloudy in the next scene. So, you know, we, we had some weather considerations and, you know, we had backup plans for the backup plans and, and it was days and days of solid pre-production, not to mention the, uh, you know, what had sort of happened before. And then we rehearsed the whole thing on a soundstage. You know, we had rented out the soundstage for the day just to run through and, you know, set up our props. Okay, here's where the water fountain is. Here's where this is. And Here's where the camera's going to be. And we ran through how we're going to get each shot. And our actors, you know, knew their blocking and their lines inside and out. So when we got it in one take, we moved on. So you got everything in one take? No. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, we got as much as we could in one take. Um, but when we got it, we could move on. A lot of times you'll do extra, you know, just give me one more. I didn't quite like the inflection on that. Um, you know, when you're in regular traditional production. You sort of have that luxury. We were interested in moving as quickly as possible, so did as much as our of our planning time in advance. How long did it take to do the script and set a storyboard it then? Um, it wasn't all storyboarded. Uh, we did storyboard the parts in the park. The script itself took really about a eight months of development, I would say, between the time it was sort of a concept and then when it really got fully fleshed out and, and fine-tuned. And then, you know, little bits of it wind up getting fine-tuned on set even, so so there's really no end to that process, and in editing even. I can definitely say this entire project sounds epic, and I can't wait to see it. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree. 
Absolutely. I think it, you've certainly outlined that pre-production, post-production, all the planning involved. It's, uh, I mean, this is a real film. It is cinema on a micro budget level. We're going through everything um, that a real movie goes through just with less money and less time and um, more pressure and, uh, uh, you know, the back without the backing of a major studio. Right. right. Um, so, you know, it's it's a big adventure, including this. I mean, you know, the movie promotion is um, something that we're also going through as well. Right. Well, we are definitely looking forward for this movie coming out. And anytime you want to come back and talk about the movie, you are always welcome, Ben. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Okay, so do you want to stay around and play a little game with us? That'd be great. All right, so tonight I thought we would talk about some inconsistencies in Disney movies. Things that nobody really picks up on right away, but as you watch the movie more than once, you kind of have to say, hmm, wait a minute, what's going on? What's going on there? There's something that's not adding up. Greg, do you have an example? So watching Pocahontas, there's a couple things in that film that just don't quite add up. First of all, you have uh, Captain John Smith, who is supposedly an English guy, but he's wearing garb that looks more like he's a Spanish conquistador. And also, he has an American accent, but the rest of the crew, what do they have? British accents. It just doesn't add up. The thing with that as well is that Pocahontas can speak fluent English. Yeah, there's another thing. You know, that one I never thought of, actually. You know, because she starts off talking to him in her native tongue like she doesn't understand him, and then all of a sudden she's speaking the king's English. Maybe mm-hmm. she got Bebo fish in. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you have yeah, one. Yeah, I'm going with Cinderella. Uh, obviously, when the clock strikes 12 and everything goes back to normal, like the, the carriage turns back into the, the, the pumpkin... And as Cinderella's running down the stair, our glass slipper still stays as a glass slipper. It doesn't turn back to what it was before, you know, probably just a, a normal uh, cloth slipper. But the biggest one there is when the prince is going round the whole kingdom trying to get the girl to try and fit the shoe. I'm sure there's plenty of girls out there who have the same shoe size in the whole kingdom and to have that one person just fit it is just a wee bit one in a million I think and you would think he would remember her face yeah why didn't anyone question that eyes up here John (laughs) I've been to parties where I have no idea what the girl's name was and I had to pretend the entire night like I knew who she was because she told me the beginning of the night and I totally forgot it need to know Dave Hey, you know what? It, it, it worked for the time being, and then later on, you know, it's just that's when you decide, okay, ditch or uh, make a move. But that's another story for another time. And with that, Chuck, over to you. My inconsistencies with Aladdin. There's a lot of questionable stuff that he does in the beginning of the movie. Breaking and entering. Stealing. He's talking to a monkey. You know, I, I think he killed a guy back in the Cave of Wonders. I, I don't know. He's destroying national landmarks, but somehow... No one really seems to have a problem with this, except for the guards. Oh, resisting arrest. But then the genie spends all that time trying to get Aladdin to tell the truth after he fabricated this huge lie for him. Is Aladdin's first wish not to wish that he was a prince as well? He spends the whole film chasing Jasmine. He says, oh, I can't go out with anybody that's not a prince. 
Exactly. So I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit two because one just popped into my mind, and the other one has just been driving me nuts for years. But the one that just popped into my mind, if Star Wars happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, have we now uh, reached intergalactic travel? Were we even created when this happened? Did the Big Bang happen for our galaxy? And if so, how did it travel over millions and millions of light years to get to us so that we know the story? Did the genie actually create a kingdom somewhere that he is the prince of? Or did he just sort of create, like, the external trappings of a prince? Because if the, if the wish is, I want to be a prince, in theory, like, a kingdom has to pop into existence that we never mention again. But there's supposed to be some other universe out there somewhere, so is that part of... Was that part of our universe? Is it part of another galaxy? You know, I think the Big Bang was the Death Star exploding. This makes sense now. <laughs> and my other one that really just always annoys me. The Little Mermaid. Ariel has to get Eric to kiss her. Now, Eric is a prince. He can have any girl he wants. He can make a move at any time, yet he doesn't. Now they're in the middle of the swamp, and you have a ocean fish swimming in fresh water because Flounder's following them. So first off, Flounder can't survive in that water. On top of that, Scuttle decides there needs to be some mood music. So he starts squawking. Now Eric hears Scuttle squawking and says, someone should put that bird out of its misery. Then all of a sudden they start singing Kiss the Girl. Now he could hear he could hear Scuttle singing or squawking, but yet he can't hear the little uh, Jamaican crab in his ear, all the waterfowl around him, and the fish and other aquatic life telling the man to kiss this girl that's all around their boat. Yet he can hear Sebastian when he's asking all of all of these names of okay, well, what's your name? And he's going through all these names, and he whispers, and then Sebastian whispers Ariel in his, in his ear. Then all of a sudden he hears it, but yet he can't hear the message of kiss this girl. That, it just true. doesn't and, add you know, up. Just as another point, if Ariel kisses Eric, isn't he just gonna like reflex as a reflex kiss back? I guess it would have made for a short movie. Kind of strange. That is true. And last but not least, our esteemed guest, Ben, what do you have? I wanted to point out the timeline in Beauty and the Beast just does not make sense. So from the time that um, that Belle's father gets thrown out of the castle, he goes and asks Gaston for help, and then sets out on his own, and then we see him, like, in the wilderness, like, cold and alone. But meanwhile, at the castle, like, months have passed, like... So it's gone from winter and they're planting flowers and now it's springtime and like months and months have gone by in the castle as they've fallen in love. And then we cut back to the dad. And he, where has he been this whole time? Where <laughs> he, This castle's only a day's journey away. Where did he go? He made a wrong turn. Has he just been wandering in circles? <laughs> Is the woods that thick that he can't get through? He's probably following directions from Chuck. My directions are fantastic. <laughs> Oh, it's taking direction. You, can't. you know what? Yeah, that's <laughs> can't the do. issue. Okay. And to backtrack, 13 minutes or 20 minutes now, is Mickey Jail the inside of It's a Small World? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I mean, let's face it. 
That's where I would think would be cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, seriously. Send somebody there for 17 hours and they obviously have to be touched in the head by the end. Alright, so... I guess we'll never understand these things. Disney, you're just gonna have to make another movie and just fill in all of these holes for us. Do it soon, please. And before we go, we always like to play a little game with our special guest. It's time we pay tribute to the great Lightning McQueen in a series of rapid response questions we call the Piston Cup. Lightning McQueen is gonna win the Piston Cup! Okay, we're gonna put 30 seconds on the clock. Gentlemen, start your engines. And Steven, floor it. What's your favorite live action Disney movie? Uh, Happiest Millionaire. Chuck, floor it. What is your all-time favorite summer blockbuster? Uh, Back to the Future. Greg, floor it. What is your favorite movie time snack? Popcorn. Okay, time for me to floor it. What is your favorite independent film? Ooh, um, History of Future Folk. Okay, round two. Steven, floor it. What is your most underrated ride in all of Walt Disney World? Uh, Tiki Room. Underrated by who, I guess. Okay, Chuck, floor it. What is your favorite show in, in Walt Disney World? American uh, Adventure. Greg, floor it. What attraction do you refuse to visit in WDW? Um, Little Mermaid, the live Little Mermaid show. Mm. Okay, getting down to the wire. You think he's going to make it, fellas? Uh, I hope so. All right, with a couple seconds to spare, what is your favorite non-park activity in Walt Disney World? Ooh, um, Trader Sam's. Nice. All right, and do we have a winner? Yes, he made it. We have a Piston Cup winner, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. He did what in this cup? <laughs> okay, and with that, time to wrap up. Gentlemen, let's take a second to let everybody know where they can find us on the interwebs. Steven, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm SJM Disney on Twitter and Stephen Maxwell on Facebook. Chuck, where can you be found? On Twitter, I am at Chuck in the chat. Greg, where can you be found? On Facebook, search my name, Greg Nevis, and you'll find me there. Ben, where can they find you? I am Walt's Frozen Heads intern. And our Twitter account is at Waltz Frozen, no Owen Frozen Head. For movie news, it's Facebook.com slash Waltz Frozen Head. Excellent. And I am Figment's Reality on the Twitters. And you could always reach us at the Mickey Dudes on Twitter. And also make sure you stop over by our Facebook page and give us a like. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. Helps uh, us climb the ranks and helps other people find us. And with that, we want to thank our esteemed guest, Ben, for coming on. Can't wait to see the movie and definitely uh, be a friend of our podcast. Anything that you have uh, to talk about with the movie, we'll definitely be uh, retweeting and posting on our page. So if you are excited just as much as us, keep watching our Twitter and our Facebook for news from the movie. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Have a magical day, ladies and gentlemen. You've just listened to another exciting episode of the Mickey Dudes Podcast. You can find the Mickey Dudes on Facebook at the Mickey Dudes Podcast and on Twitter at the Mickey Dudes. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share the love on Stitcher or iTunes. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again real soon.